Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Welcome back to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFura, and alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. Brandon, how are you doing today, buddy? L.J., doing well. Uh, you know, I always love uh, the MLB on Sundays because you know that all 30 teams will be in action and all the games will be done by about 10 o'clock at night. So you don't have to stay up very late uh, to watch the games conclude. But we had a great day in baseball today, LJ. Absolutely. I think we should get right into the top story today, which was the Angels and the Dodgers. In the top of the third, the Dodgers get one run in on a Chris Taylor RBI knock. Down one in the bottom of the inning with the bases loaded, Jared Walsh hits a two-run double, putting the Angels up two to one. That's all that happened in the game. The Dodgers dropped this game two to one, their fifth straight lost series this season. Give the win to Aaron Sledgers. Uh, Jose Quintana started the game. He went four innings of one earned ball with six strikeouts. The loss will be given to Trevor Bauer. He went six innings, allowing two earned runs and nine strikeouts. The save will be given to Rasael Iglesias, his fifth on the year. Brandon, where did the Dodgers go from here? I mean, they really can't go any farther down. No, I mean, this offense has been very, very bad. I mean, now two and eight in their last 10, and Trevor Bauer goes out there and puts a very fine start. I mean, mm. six innings, nine strikeouts is should be should be good enough, especially with only two earned runs. And, you know, 
off of an Angels pitching staff that's not the strongest. You know, we talk about that a lot, how the Angels don't have the greatest pitchers there, and they only get four hits today. And this is with a lineup that is actually very strong. I mean, you look at their top six today, Betts, Seeger, Turner, Will Smith, Max Muncie, Chris Taylor. I mean, when you have that lineup with Trevor Bauer on the mound, and then you also use your other good relievers in, in Victor Gonzalez and, and Kenley Jansen, I mean, this is a game that you have to win. Yeah, Brandon. I mean, of course, you have to think about the fact also Cody Bellinger is still out right. of the lineup. line fracture in his leg, but that does not at all um, adjust for the, how bad the offense has been over this stretch where they've lost these last five series. Brandon, over this stretch, they had a bat. They have a team batting average down in the two tens. I want to say it was two eighteen, but I could be wrong on that. All I know is that it's the second worst in that stretch. In this stretch, mm. at wherever they are, so you can't you can't expect to win games when you aren't scoring runs, no matter how good you are, no matter how good your pitching is. And I, I didn't expect the Dodgers to be the one who struggled to keep pace early in this division. No, uh, certainly I didn't either. Now, something interesting, like, yes, this stretch that they've been on has been very bad, but when you look at the their the uh, team OPS leaders, the Dodgers are second in the first in the league is the Red Sox. I mean, this was a Dodgers team that started off 13-2 and two and still has lost games where they've scored a significant amount of runs. But like you just said, that stat there, they're, they have not been hitting well as of late. And no, I did not expect them to be off to a slow start. And they, are, they still are only two and a half games out of uh, first. Also something interesting, the Dodgers, they went 43 and 17 last year in the 60 game season. Uh, they are now 18 and 17. So same amount of losses as that they had last year and they have now. No bueno. Well, let's get on to the next one, the Yankees and the Nationals. Aaron Hicks singles to open up the scoring in the third. And then we got the first Glaber bomb on the season. Glaber Torres home run in the sixth inning. 2-0 Yankees after six. However, Kyle Schwarber goes yard and ties the game at two in the seventh inning off of Domingo Herman, who made a very good start today. Really, the only mistake he made was this Kyle Schwarber home run to tie the game. The score would remain tied at two until the bottom of the ninth inning, where the Yankees forced two walks off of Brad Hand before Giancarlo. Let the rhythm take you over, Giancarlo. Giancarlo Stanton, walk-off single. The Yankees get their second walk-off win in as many days. They take seven out of nine in their homestand, and they win this one three to two. The win to... Araldis Chapman, who is now 2-0 on the year. Uh, he has pitched 13 innings this year, uh, still with a zero ERA and a 0.62 whip. Uh, he has been absolutely fantastic, and uh, he's just pitching on a, another level right now. Uh, I want to talk about Domingo Herman's start, six and a third, 
five hits, two earned runs. Uh, you know, since he kind of got sent down, uh, it was not really sent down, but it was just we uh, were taking an extra reliever. I mean, he has the, – the three starts he's had since he's come back have been excellent. And if he can keep pitching like this, I mean, the Yankees might have really found a solid number three there. Uh, so Domingo, Kualidad, and Domingo as he pitches on Sunday. Yeah, honestly, I think Domingo Herman. I feel like you already labeled this guy as a top half of the rotation, top end, top one, two, th- uh, really not one, but a two, three on most teams. Was he was identified with that in back back in 2019. But it's just a matter if he can keep his head on his shoulders for a full season that'll help him out with the consistency that'll help him out off the field, on the field, everywhere you can imagine. Absolutely. Next up, we got the Red Sox and the Orioles with Rafi Devers performance today, Brandon, I suppose you could say that the creamer had been shaken in the second Devers hit a solo shot for Boston and then followed that up in the fourth with a two RBI double. Hunter Renfro added a home run in the eighth, and Boston wins it four to three. Give the win to Nick Pavetta, who went six innings, allowing two earned runs. I believe that was his fifth win on the season. Uh, the loss will be given to Dean Kramer. He went five innings, allowing three earned runs. The save will be given to Matt Barnes, his eighth. This series sweep helps the Red Sox be the first team in baseball to 23 wins. Are we really going to do this every yes. single and LJ, they have 22 wins. Uh, yeah, you know, the, actually, that's not uh, honestly, thank you, because I meant to check that on another site. Yes, 22, because CBS is reporting it very horribly. 22 and 13. But are like, we going to do this all the way up to 100 wins? Like, oh, the first team to 58 wins, the first team to 72 wins. Um, my, I'm going to be honest with you, Brandon. My enthusiasm for it greatly depends on if it's the Red Sox or not. So as <laughs> of right, right now, I'm saying yes. Yankees. Will it happen? Maybe, maybe not. If the Red Sox are the first team to 100 wins all the way through, I will say definitely yes, it will. However, it's a crapshoot if anybody else. On to the Diamondbacks and the Mets. Francisco. Wait, Brandon. Yes. CBS Sports, go in the corner and think about what you've done. (laughs) Your site disgusts me, but it's upsetting because you are the most functional box scores I can find on the internet. I just use the, the MLB.com box scores. Those are, those are great. The MLB.com box scores piss me off. Also, they can go ahead and sit in the corner as well, as well as ESPN. ESPN loads a video every single time I try to open a box score. That's what you have all been hearing randomly throughout episodes is me trying to look at a specific stat and reference it and a video opening without my control um mlb.com is incredibly hard to use during a write-up writing the recaps because every sing, every about 10 seconds it jumps back to the top of the page yeah. you <laughs> notice so that. Annoying. it drives me nuts and so i left there <laughs> went to cbs who in about well first off has this inaccuracy but in about one in every eight recaps that are opened in their their own personal recap 
there's a video and the video will start playing in the background and it takes me a minute to realize that it's in the recap and I'm not just completely not seeing a video somewhere else. So yeah, there's no good option and it's frustrating. Maybe on to Yahoo next. Yeah, we'll have to check them all out and see. On to the Diamondbacks and the Mets. Francisco Lindor with a sack fly and Michael Conforto single to make it 2-0 in the bottom of the third. Nick Ahmed would hit into a double play, but a run would score, and the Diamondbacks trailed 2-1. to one. A Patrick Mazika bases-loaded walk made it 3-1 in the bottom of the sixth, and then a Dom Smith single in the seventh gave the Mets a three-run lead. As Drupal Cabrera would hit a solo home run in the eighth, but it's not enough. The Mets win 4-2. to two. Give the win to Jacob DeGrom. Now three and two on the year. He goes five innings, allowing one hit, one run, three walks, and six Ks. LJ, he did exit this game with side tightness. Uh, I believe he was going to undergo an MRI tonight. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, I forget where the lat is. However, it seems completely unrelated to what kept pulled him from his last start and just the fact that he was pretty proactive in that warm-up session about getting a trainer out there getting his manager out there because he didn't feel right would make me nervous if I was a Mets fan I'm not I'm no doctor and I'm not definitively going to say that that's what's going on I'm not Dr. Karam over here but uh I just I would be I would be more nervous just because of how proactive he was to go get somebody rather than fight through it than I would be in another instance. Yeah. Well, you can give the loss to Riley Smith, four innings, four hits, two runs, and one K. Edwin Diaz picks up his fifth save on the year. He goes five outs in this one, striking out three. The Mets have now won five in a row. The Diamondbacks are losers of their last six. Arizona hosts the Marlins today. Luke Weaver takes on TBD. The Mets host the Orioles on Tuesday. Does this dude ever rest? No. <laughs> he's like he's like the pitchers in the in the early 20th century uh, who would just pitch for every game. He's an absolute manimal. All right. White Sox and Royals. The White Sox used a three-run second inning and 10 combined team hits to beat the Royals 9-3. to Give the win to Lucas Giolito. He went five innings, allowing one earned run. The loss to Mike Miner went five innings, allowing five earned runs and seven strikeouts. Jose Abreu went two for four with three RBIs, and the White Sox are, the, are one of, I believe, three teams today, or two teams today, to sweep their series three teams yeah the uh White the Sox, what's that did the yankees no two out of three okay yeah so it's the white Sox, the red Sox, and the mets mm-hmm. uh but the royals one and nine in their last 10 they lost eight in a row lj how about their their run differential Negative 31, that puts their expected win-loss at 13 and 20 instead of what they are at right now of 16 and 17. Yeah, this is a little, this is more of a, this is beyond what we were talking about a week ago when they were at the top of the division. I mean, when you when you really look, look into it, you've got, of course, 
at that point, they were a below 500 team in terms of expected win-loss. They had a negative run differential at that point in time. However, so naturally, they're going to go back towards that mean. They're going to go back towards 500. However, they're playing bad baseball right now in order to do that, which is dipping their run differential, of course, which naturally brings them their expectancy farther and farther away from 500. So this is just an absolute collapse by them over the past week or now actually week and a half, two weeks to get to this point. And if they can turn it around, I think they're again, I think this team has shown enough bright spots to be close to 500, close to where they are right now. But Brandon, I find this interesting. You think about it, nine, nine team hits. There was about, I want to say four, there was only like four walks. It was not like it was a walk around the bases type of day. You do not see 10 hits to nine runs without a home run and without walks very often. They were just getting nice power contact in the field to bat these guys around. It's, it's an impressive show, of course. Unfortunately, uh, Mother's Day activities and all, I was unable to catch any of it but I would have certainly liked to see how they were getting the, these numbers. Yeah, no, I mean, I can see here in the box score, here's I mean, how yeah. they scored runs. I mean, they went triple. So in the top of the second inning, wow, they had quite the inning. They go hit by pitch, strikeout, triple, walk, sack, fly, single. Yeah, like, I mean. That's just triple, walk, sack, fly, single is not ideal especially after you hit the hit the lead off batter like no not not at all Brandon I mean you know it's just a matter of like the triple like if you're able to get it I think momentum wise they're bigger than home runs if you can what I was really more meaning about seeing how they scored the runs was hi I'm Maria and I'm Mike and we're team, team ready. ready Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner seeing these guys blast a triple into the right center gap or wherever it ended up in specifics, how hard it went off. Um, I can actually probably look that up, but I will see if I can do that later. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, I think those are some of the more impressive plays in baseball when you're able to keep it in the field, keep the ball in play and still have such body power displays. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's keep moving on here uh, to the Brewers and the Marlins. 2019 All-Star Daniel Vogelback hits his third home run of the season in the fourth inning to make it 1-0 Brewers. Both pitching staffs worked very efficient innings, 
and it would still be 1-0 in the bottom of the seventh until Lewis Brinson would tie the game with a home run off of J.P. Fireisen. Uh, he had not allowed an earned run in 16 innings coming into this game. Uh, very impressive how he's been this year and what I believe is his, his rookie year. But, uh, yeah, Lewis Brinson takes him yard and – uh, then this game ends up going to extras. It seems like the Miami, Miami Marlins have been playing a lot of games in extra innings. Uh, top of the 10th, Tyrone Taylor with a single to give the, the Brewers the lead. They're able to shut down Miami in the bottom of the 10th. The Brew Crew win 2-1. to one. Give the win to Josh Hader, now 3-0 and oh on the year. The loss goes to Anthony Bass, 1-3 on the year, but he does not allow an earned run as it was the... Manfred runner, as I like to call it, on second base. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, who is the starter for the Marlins, seven innings, five hits, one run, and six Ks. And Drew Rasmussen picks up his first save on the year. Next up, we got the Blue Jays and the Astros. Today was Toronto's Toronto pitching prospect Nate Pearson's first start of the season in Brandon. No bueno. The Astros unload for seven unanswered runs in the first four innings, three off of Pearson. The Strohs hold off the Blue Jays, who added four runs in the fifth inning to win seven to four. Give the win to Brian Abreu. Zach Rinke went four innings, allowing four earned runs. The loss will be given to Nate Pearson. He went two and a third of an inning, allowing three earned runs and walking five batters. The save will be given to Ryan Presley. Of course, this is not what you want to see with a rotation that's already been struggling very streaky, especially this year in Toronto. But with these types of guys, if you're going to have any extended success, especially outside of a big market like like New York, you can't you can't just buy pitchers like you can in New York if you're Toronto. You have to get let these guys that are highly touted prospects. You have to let them work out the kinks even if it does frustrate a season with comp- competitive hopes this year? I mean, you say that they can't buy pitchers. I feel like that they have, though. I mean, they, they have, but they cannot, they cannot buy them consistently. They, you, cannot, you cannot make your entire roster for the next – for the entire prime of this core. Let's say you keep uh, Biggio, Bichette, Guer- or Guerrero around – long-term and you get their full 15, 10, 15 years of quality time from them. You can't be a competitive team and win as much as you humanly possible with these future stars. If you're keep having to invest all of your free agency focus on acquiring pitching talent, getting Mm -hmm. these new guys, you need to have some form of something come out of the minor leagues that's how you see all of the consistently successful teams do it. That's how you see the Dodgers do it is with, while they do supplement themselves, they're bringing in either underrated pitchers or they're bringing in guys from their farm system that have been there that they've worked with. They're pulling guys like Dustin May and Walker Bueller into teams that are already competitive. That's how you keep consistent success. And if they want to make the most out of these young guys, that's what they're going to have to do. You got to trust in this kid. Let him keep working. However, maybe not for your fantasy team, though. All right. On to the Rockies and the Cardinals. 
The only two runs scored in this game were a Nolan Arenado home run. He goes deep against his old team in the second inning, and then a Yadier Molina RBI double in the fourth. The Cardinals get a fantastic start from Adam Wainwright, who pitches into the ninth inning. He gets the win, now 3-0 and on the year. Eight in the third, three hits, five strikeouts for him. The loss to Herman Marquez, six innings, six hits, one earned run, and six Ks. Ryan Helsley picks up his first save of the year for the Cardinals. The Cardinals are now 8-2 and two in their last 10. Colorado hosts the Padres today, and it will be Denilson Lamette taking on Antonio Senzatella. Next up, we got the Mariners and the Rangers. The Rangers asserted their dominance over the M's in the fifth inning, where Charlie Cloverson and Adolis Garcia's home runs allowed them to score six runs. Texas beats Seattle 10-2. Give the win to Dane Dunning. He went five innings, allowing two earned runs and 10 strikeouts. The loss to Justice Sheffield, he went five innings, allowing five earned runs and five strikeouts. All right, under the Pirates and the Cubs. The Pirates would score four runs in the first inning, one on a ground out, two on a single by Wilmer Defoe, and one on a throwing error. The Pirates would keep the offense rolling in the top of the third with a Wilmer Defoe triple, and then a fielding error scored another run. The Cubs trailing by four in the ninth would try to come back. They got a single from Jock Peterson and an Ildemaro Vargas double that scored two, but the Pirates were able to close it out and they win six to five. The win to Tyler Anderson, now three and three on the year, eight innings, four hits, two runs, and six Ks for him. The loss to Kyle Hendricks, now two and four on the year, five innings, nine hits, four earned, and three Ks. Richard Rodriguez picks up his sixth save of the year for the Pirates, who host the Cardinals today. Jeff Hoffman takes on Mitch Keller, and the Cubs take on the Indians on Tuesday. You're muted. We've got, yeah, I figured that out after a while. Uh, we've got the, where was I? Rays and A's. Uh, down 3-0 in the fifth inning, Willie Adamas hits a three-run homer for Tampa to tie the game. In the sixth, Mike Brasso hits a solo dinger. The Rays avoid the sweep. It would have been the fourth sweep of the day if the A's had pulled it out with Tampa's 4-3 to win. Give the win to Jeffrey Springs. Shane McClanahan goes four innings along three earned runs and five strikeouts. The loss will be given to Cole Irvin. He went six innings along three earned runs and give the save to Andrew Kittridge. Brandon, what have you thought of Shane McClanahan's first three career starts? Uh, well, I've seen a lot of his pitches on, on Pitching Ninja, which is always is a good sign. <laughs> Always a good sign. I mean, when you throw, when you're a, a lefty and you throw 101 with arm side action, uh, really good. I mean, as for this, here's uh, so, some of his numbers on StatCast. So currently a 2.25 ERA. His expected ERA is a 3.07. So uh, that's very good either way. I mean, yes, you could say that he's been overperforming his stats, but a 3.07 ERA is good. The one that I look at, I was talking about it last night, is K percentage and walk percentage. Uh, 32.3 strikeout percentage, which is 
very high and to a 6.5% walk percentage, which is really low. So uh, yeah, pretty impressive so far. Yeah, I really like this guy. Again, from what I see here, he has a lot of so much potential to grow for this team. Be another one of these guys like Tyler Glass now, Blake Snell, Ryan Yarborough that we've seen that's going to eventually develop into being a top-end starter, but he's going to be brought along the Rays' way, which means the only thing that's going to be holding him back from recognition will be the Tampa Bay Rays. Mm. So far, he has pitched 12 innings, three starts, four innings. Does that shock anybody that they're not letting their starter go past the fourth inning? No, no. it doesn't. I mean, I think he, he's showing here, Brandon, um, certainly uh, tell me if you disagree, everything that he would need to in order to eventually turn into one of these guys like Glass, now Snell and Yarborough, who are who slowly get moved away from being that follower or four inning starter to being allowed to work. Yeah. I mean it's it, early, but yeah. We'll see. All right. Uh I got the last two games here. First, the Padres and the Giants. The Padres would score five runs in the first three innings. They got uh, home runs from Jake Cronenworth and Fernando Tatis Jr. That's Tatis's ninth on the year. Top of the third, Will Myers would single to make it 5-0. San Francisco cannot do anything offensively all game. The Pirates would, or the Padres would then pile on six more runs in the last two innings, and they route the Giants 11-1, give the win to Ryan Weathers, now two and one on the year, three innings, one hit, three Ks in relief. You can give the loss to Johnny Cueto. Uh, not a great start in his first start back uh, in a couple of weeks. He goes uh, three innings, eight hits, five earned runs, uh, two strikeouts. And uh, yeah, the Padres. Oh, I don't have that pulled up. I believe that they're both off um, today. Yeah. Oh, actually, the Padres play the Rockies today, and then the Giants are off. It is what it is, you know, for the Giants. you got to take some of these punches. But so far, Brandon, I, you have to say, this has been – now, have they played – did they play the Dodgers last weekend, or is that this weekend they start those? Who's that? The, the Giants. Um, The Giants play the Rangers this weekend. Or this week, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, they, they've got two weekends here. So hold on, I have to check this because I will be very excited if I were a San Francisco Giants fan, if I were our future land skipper at the our new our recording space back when we get home, our new land skipper, Mr. Angelini, one of the biggest Giants fans I know. I'd be very excited if I were him, if that were the case. They have not, they start with them not this weekend, They've got the pirate. Oh, oh, Brandon, this is. I don't. I don't want to uh, speculate too much and say this is a cakewalk, but this is as close as you probably could get to a cakewalk. Here, you, you're home against the Rangers. Then you go to the Pirates and the Reds before playing the Dodgers. If that isn't, if those aren't confidence boosters, I'm not sure what is. But I have to say, this has been a relatively successful stretch here where we were saying they're going to have to endure some punishment 
on their way to Labor Day if they want to remain relevant. And if they can, they'll be in a very good spot. Am I correct in saying they've split with? Yes, they have split uh, three apiece with San Diego this year in the season series. If they can do something close to that with the Dodgers, they're in incredible uh, an incredible spot. I honestly have to say props to them for managing so well through this first part of the uh, first part of the month. Of course, on our way on our race to Memorial Day. Yeah, obviously, um, you know, not the best game for them today. A ten a ten run loss is never ideal, but hopefully those those uh these three these next three series are big confidence boosters for them and they have some momentum going into the Dodgers series. But last game of the night, Sunday night baseball, and that gave us the Phillies and the Braves, uh death taxes and Atlanta on Sunday night baseball. <laughs> Andrew McCutcheon leads off the game with a home run on the first pitch. Uh in the bottom of the first, the Braves respond. They got a Freddie Freeman single, Ozzy Albies triple, and then Dansby Swanson home run to take a 4-1 lead. Bottom of the third, Freddie Freeman hits his ninth home run of the season to make it 5-1. Atlanta wins 6-1 on Sunday night baseball. Uh the wind of Huascari Noah, now four and one on the year, six innings, four hits, one run, six Ks, and also one for two at the plate. Uh now hitting over four, hitting 400 this year. Yes. Uh, the loss to Aaron Nola, three and one on the year. He goes four innings on five hits, five runs, and four Ks. LJ, both of these teams are off today. Um, tonight, I was watching the game um, on the StatCast feed that is on ESPN2. Yes. And um, really interesting the way that, that they do that. Uh, so many cool stats and, and graphics and stuff that they show. Uh, my favorite is, so right underneath the scoreboard, so you know how ESPN is, they have it in the top left, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, the pitch that, sequence? The pitch sequence is awesome. I mean, that I, I feel like every broadcast should do something like that, even if it's just like FB, uh, SL, you know, CB, just like to to designate the pitches because oh, you're right. it's so informative. I, I'm surprised no one has thought to do it sooner. Like, I can't, I can't imagine that even non like super statty people wouldn't like that. Like people that don't know all the advanced numbers and it's the stat cast uh, one, maybe a little bit more than they're normally in for. I can't see why they wouldn't like anyone wouldn't like to be able to see that because it just adds another layer. You get to really see some of the artwork that the pitchers are doing. And it gives a little extra added entertainment value, Brandon. We could legitimately sit here in a couple weeks when you come back on Sunday nights and try to make guesses based on the pitch sequence, what was coming next. Yeah. The two of us. Like that, that's just an added entertainment value little layer for us to be able to break down and talk about the game as fans watching. Absolutely. And there's so many more informative stats on there too. Like, um, hi, I'm Maria and I'm Mike and we're team ready. Ready. Black Hills energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. 
Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Prior to each batter seeing the first pitch, they kind of zoom out and you can see the whole infield. And then they do an overlay. They split the infield into like five or six uh, different segments. And it shows the percentage that the player hits the ball to that segment of the field. Uh, so then you can understand like why the shifts are playing a certain way. Uh, just really cool stuff. You know, they talk a lot about OPS plus, uh, a lot about uh, like uh, spin rates and that kind of stuff. So really interesting. And I think I'm going to start watching that feed uh, just because the plain ESPN feed, I, I don't know if it's you, uh, Look, I love Matt Baskersian, and I love A-Rod on commentary. I actually think that he knows a lot about it. But the producers there, you're just having them, it's just all over the place. I mean, it's not a great baseball broadcast whatsoever. No, it's fine. Again, I think, well, first off, there's not never going to be, in my opinion, a national broadcast that's nearly as good as the regional broadcasts. Yeah, there is something to be said about calling all 162 games of a team season every single year for some of these guys, or at least close to 162 games. Being able to follow them at that level, you have a personal connection with the team, you have a personal connection with the fans, and it makes the content that they talk about and the comments they make so much richer. It's no knock on the national guys, but you just cannot have the same impact on the national scene as you can on the regional. Yeah. Uh, That's one man's not so humble opinion. Well, should we get into the PPP particular players people should care about? LJ has three and I have two. Uh, LJ, take it away. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and start off with Rafi Devers who absolutely shook up the creamer and stirred it right on into his coffee earlier today. It was both shaken and stirred with his home run and double driving in three RBIs, but this just needed, I just felt like people needed a reminder of how good his last month has been because I think I can think of very few players that were colder in that first week of the season than Rafael Devers. Then all of a sudden that second Baltimore series hit and he just starts raking. I mean, right now, currently I'm looking at his baseball savant page, 87th percentile in average exit velocity, 88th in hard hit really. And then past that in his expectance, the only knock on him is the fact that he's not in the hundredth percentile in something 99 in Woba. Uh, 98 and expected batting average, 98 and expected slugging. He has been on fire, absolutely crushing the ball, and he still has work to be done on the offensive end. This He could legitimately, at the rate he's going, be a 304, uh, 300 batting average, 400 on base guy mm-hmm. with a few tweaks here and there this season. He could be an even better guy in terms of drawing walks in a year or two if he really focuses on it as well. All right. Uh, my first guy is Ryan Weathers uh, of the San Diego Padres. Uh, you know, this is a guy who has been kind of asked to fill every role for the Padres this year. Uh, 
Today, they uh, gave the start to Chris Paddock. He goes three innings of scoreless ball, only throws uh, just over 50 pitches. Then they go to Ryan Weathers for three innings. He ends up getting the win. But um, this is a guy who <clears throat> earlier in the year, in that first Dodgers series, or across two, two of the games against the, the Dodgers that the Padres played, he goes nine and a third inning, allowing two hits, no earned runs, and striking out nine batters. Uh, excellent performance against that stacked Dodgers lineup. And so far on the year, uh, eight games, 22 and a third innings pitched, 20 strikeouts, and a 0.81 ERA. Uh, really impressive. And, you know, we talk a lot about the three starters that San Diego acquired this offseason, but this kid's only 21 years old. Uh, really impressive for his age and uh, just kind of being that swing man out of the, out of the Padres bullpen. Yeah, next up, we've got Dane Dunning, who, of course, today goes five innings, one earned run, or two earned runs, and 10 strikeouts. Re- very good day. It's been a little up and down for him, but this isn't the first time we've seen a performance like that. Brandon, again, we've been talking about how uh, at least fun this Rangers team has been while they've been performing above far above their expectations this year at 18 and 18 in the middle of May is not where we expected them at all. But Dane Dunning might be one of my favorite, my um, most intriguing middle of the line players in the league, because, you know, statistically here you got, um, a 378 ERA, 1.29 whip. It's not necessarily gaudy numbers there. If you look into his statcast stuff, he has his fair share of issues. He's got his fair share of sections in the blue. However, there's areas here that just really excite me because for what with all he lacks, he's doing what he can to not. Uh, to be the best he can be. Here you got the guy, 77th percentile in walk percentage, 71% in barrel percentage. Again, this is not the best best pitch, one of the best pitchers in the league by any means. I think we can all agree on that. However, this goes to show you, these are conscious effort things. Th- these are things about not making mistakes uh, or major mistakes out on the field. Whether you're giving up hard hits, some guys just, it's kind of destined, especially when you're not necessarily a hurler like him. His average fastball is only around 90 miles an hour. But if you're able to kind of keep guys off guard, keep them from really getting the full barrel on the ball, get keep them from walking, not walking batters around and just giving yourself more base runners, more runs to be allowed, that goes miles in this game being able to avoid the big mistakes. Absolutely. All right. My uh, second and last one is Sandy Alcantara. Uh, this guy is turning into a real ace for the the Marlins and is quietly doing it. Uh, today, seven innings. Uh, I believe he only allowed one run. Yeah, seven innings, five hits, one run, and six Ks. That brings his season ERA down to 2.72. In terms of the stat cast numbers, this guy has been lighting it up. Uh, Expected ERA in the uh, 89th percentile, 
uh, expected weighted on base average in the 89th percentile. Uh, I had, you know, I, I, on the StatCast broadcast tonight, the broadcasters expl were explaining the way that the percentile rankings work. And they said, you know, if it sounds a little too analytical to you or, you know, by saying percentile, they said, because it's on a zero to hundred scale, think of it as like a 2K rating or like a Madden rating. Like, mm. so for expected ERA, you're 89, you're, expected ERA is 89 out of 100 like that's pretty good you know what I mean so now that I think about it like that I don't know that's it, it's a cool way to, to picture it but yeah that's he's been uh really really good this year at avoiding uh, hard contact and has one of the fastest fastballs in the league so uh loves uh, Sandy Alcantara yeah that's how you're I'm so I'm so glad somebody said that I hadn't of course thought about it but that's the perfect way you should be thinking about these things because that's how you're going to grab some kids. Kids love these video games. And if you can really harp on the way the, these players are ranked in certain areas, just like those statistics in the game, you're going to get that crossover. You're going to get them understanding it because that's what they live and breathe in their fairy time. You're going to get kids with this stuff to I mean yeah you're gonna get kids to really love the game love the stats and that's what unfortunately sucks some of it so much of us in to having no life outside of baseball uh, I mean if you don't love stats you're probably not spending an hour every single night uh depriving yourself of sleep to talk about baseball for quite a few people again thank you guys all for listening I love it we, we, we love it. That's the thing is we have so little of life. Our life revolves around these scores, these games, and these stats that we just keep finding different things. We're going to talk about something later. Every single day we find something that amazes us a little more. And there's so many people that are just like us too out there. We know it. I mean, how many people that, you know, follow the league this closely i mean there's so many people lj you were saying that your dad is a guy who watches quick pitch three times a day yeah he, he, he there there isn't a highlight he hasn't seen of course sometimes you know he's not the most statistically driven person out there when it comes to baseball but he knows what's going on he has the eye test for players so yeah there's plenty of people that follow this league very closely and again from so many perspectives, it all depends on sample size. If you're looking at all baseball fans, I'm pretty knowledgeable. Yeah. If I look at people, Brandon's intelligence and on, I'm a scrub. Because there's just this absolutely advanced way to look at the game that I'm learning more and more about every day. So many people, once you really get your mind, get the mindset correctly, I didn't get the mindset correctly for a while, but once you do, the game is so simple to see and so amazing yeah. to see behind these numbers that you're going to want to keep looking. You're going to want to keep searching and digging and learning more as I have. LJ, I believe you have one last guy here. I do. And this is the only one I'm not going to back up with any StackCast numbers so people can take a bit of a break before we <laughs> go into another StackCast segment in our quick pitch for our trivia game. Um, so next up, I've got Trevor Bauer, who once again had a fantastic day, has a quality start, and winds up in the loss in this 2-1 to Dodgers-Angels game. 
is there anyone who is being brutalized by baseball more right now than Trevor Bauer? I feel like this is at minimum the third win that he's been screwed out of this year. Yeah, uh, just just looking at his his game log here. I mean, he has a start where he goes six and two thirds, allows three hits, two earned runs, and strikes out ten, and gets a no decision. He has a start where he goes six innings, allowing three hits, one earned run, seven Ks, and he doesn't get a win. Uh, and then, of course, that game today where he ends up getting a loss, six innings, four hits, two earned runs, and nine Ks. It's, it's yeah, tough, and- especially because I'm sure in his mind he thought that he was going to be getting all the run support in the world going to the Dodgers, thinking that he was going to be able to really pad his win stat. And oh, it's sure. not been like that so far. No, it hasn't. And he's honestly been a much better sport than I ever anticipated him being about that. Because, I mean, I'm not sure if you saw this, but he was asked about it today in the post-game interview about the losing. And he says I'm that he's pissed with overall how things have been going. But from that from that surface level just saying i'm pissed doesn't tell the way of course the first thing you think brandon unless you hadn't read if you hadn't read it the first thing you think is oh he's calling out his teammates get me better run support but it was honestly the contrary from the way i picked up on it it was more of that leadership sentiment of we need to rally together we are better than the way that we're playing Mm -hmm. but I think an argument can be an argument can be certainly made. I would never think it's right to call out your teammates like that. However, I would understand it at this point. Yeah, like it's kind it's kind of deserved that he has this. I mean, yeah, there are legitimately, yeah, one, two. He should he um, could have like seven. Three, this no, uh, yeah, I'm counting. Yeah, three, four. And I have yet to see a true loss out of him. Yeah, no. I didn't even mention that one where he went eight innings and only allowed two runs against He went eight, yeah. Eight, eight innings, two earned runs, loss. Um, all right, four and a third. Eh. But what was really going on in that game? Yeah, no, you can't Look. get a win in four and a third, so. No. So I'm fine with that, no decision. But then again, the loss today is just icing on the cake. So yeah, one, two, uh, three, four. Now there's four games out of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He should be seven and one right now by all logic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he has gotten the short end of the stick by far right now. Uh, LJ, we have a pretty cool segment here that we want to talk about. Uh, I'll let you take this one away. Yeah, so, of course, I have made it my summer mission to embrace the social media outreach and Twitter content as much as humanly possible. I'm getting at it. I'm getting our show out to as many different people as possible, commenting on all sorts of belly up stuff. And as I settle more into summer LJ, this is going to increase even more as I can really sit down and spend a lot of time on this during my day. But the first thing that I'm having a lot of fun with is 
um, looking at some stats, finding some trivia questions, and we are going to make this into the show's first ever giveaway. So basically what's going to happen is every day, or at least close to every day that we can get one out, we are going to put out some form of statistical-based trivia game, usually a guess the player type thing. And whoever the first person get it will get a point. We will keep track of the points on this end. We'll give some updates throughout the year. Whoever has the most points at the end of the season will receive both a Belly Up Sports t-shirt as well as the first official MLB Daily t-shirt free free of charge, free of shipping. Just give us your name and address and it will be yours. But the only way to win is if you can guess the player each day correctly, there will be two hints given out at random points in the day. And the question should be up sometime around noon each day. So if you're interested, if you like free stuff, Brandon, do you like free free stuff? Love free stuff. I'm pretty sure I like free stuff too. Um, I will certainly pull some people in the next coming days to see if they also like free stuff. But the only thing you have to do, participate, try to figure these guys out, have a lot of fun. We're actually going to talk a little bit here about something that is absolutely wild to me so far. And it, it, it's coming directly out of our question from yesterday, which I will, I will, because of lack of interaction with today's, we have not gotten very good responses on it today i will keep that up until i wake up and if somebody has responded in that time frame i will give that point so if anyone's on this watching and then decides to tweet you know today today you'll get that free one if not it's okay but brandon let me read the question so we have a baseball savant page with a lot a lot of numbers in the blue so far and the question reads this player is one of the deepest position third baseman in the league against both left-handed batters and right-handed batters. Despite this extra reaction time, he ranks in the top 10 in errors committed. Who is it? The two hints given were that the player is in the AL East, and the final hint was he has a teammate that is flying up the error, error leaderboards as well. Brandon, you got it right on your first try texting with me. Who is it? And, how, and what brought you to that thought process? Uh, it is Kevin Biggio. Uh, okay, so here is my thought process. So first of all, I see all the blue numbers here. I mean, 7th percentile in expected weighted on base average, 7th percentile expected batting average. So I'm thinking, all right, someone, so it's a third baseman who is not has has had a bad start to the year ranks top 10 in errors. So I went to top I went to the errors leaderboard. The top few is Fernando Tatis and Javier Baez. Both are actually starting to come around hitting, so I knew it wasn't them. Uh I see Jose Ramirez there in the top 10. He's another third baseman and I'm thinking, no, he's not having this bad of a year. Kyle Seeger was close. Because he's in the top 10, and he's a third baseman, and I wasn't sure if he was having this bad of a year. He is not. So the only other guy there is um, is, is Kevin Biggio uh, with six errors, and he's tied for six. So that was my guess. Uh, it could have been him or Kyle Seeger in my mind, but uh, 
Yeah, LJ, I think it's interesting that we can see how far back these guys start. Uh, you know, like, how do they track that? Is there, like, some kind of sensor in their cleats or something? Um, that- actually, yes, I can actually explain that from my days covering the Valley Cats. On all levels now, most, or especially from basically from the college level up, teams are now using all sorts of GPS trackers. Uh, funny enough, I learned about this in school recently. Um mm-hmm where they can check everything from running uh, running speed to position, everything. So that's just something that's easily findable, uh, a- easily able to be found in, a, uh, in any of those things where the guy happens to be lining up for most of his stuff and really just creates an average. But yeah, they can tell you exactly how far back from home plate he is as well as Brandon, the angle on the diamond. So like, wow, it it goes. So I believe it's zero is uh, first baseline, and like negative forty five is the third baseline, or something like that mm. for the angle. Or it's forty five and forty five. Actually, I think um, forty five and negative forty five. So you can they they tell you based on that angle and the depth exactly where this guy tends to line up on the field. In Kevin Biggio's instance, I just checked based on all um, spots. He currently stands in 48th. So he is the 48th shallowest player in the league at 118 feet. He's 100 stands 118 feet away from the base. Some of the top ones, I mean, the closest players in the league, there is currently a four-way tie for that between Tommy LaStella Andy Ibanez, Scott Kingery, and Miguel Andujar. This is all with a minimum of 10 plate appearances at third base. So that just goes to show you how far back. He's an additional seven feet behind where the shallowest players are. That gives you, I'm not sure how much, but a significant difference in reaction time between the people at 111 feet and 118 feet. The fact that you can be top 10 errors while playing so far back, just again, to keep you, uh, to keep the numbers in perspective against both left-handers and right-handers, I was doing it situationally last night was how I was looking at it. He is, he is outside the top 30 in depth, which means there is a third person capable of playing third base. There is one for every team that plays shallower than him. You could hypothetically put a different player on every team that plays shallower than him and have him on the bench at third base. And he still has made six errors. And this comes with Boba Shep, who is the answer to the second hint. Also, with that, um, my one, my give my team based giveaway in that one flying up the leaderboards for the Blue Jays. Boba Shep's got seven errors so far. This has to be defensively based on pure production pure production standards the worst defensive left side of the infield in baseball right now right yeah i mean mean, i don't mean to stroke the red sox sorry that we just like i would have to assume so yeah um i just looked at a cat cabin biggio i won I went on to baseball reference and looked at what his his uh, defensive war is this year. It is negative 0.3. I'm going to look at Bo Bichette right now. His is at, 
let's see here, player value. His is at 0.1. So not in the negatives. Uh, you know, errors is a stat where it's an indication of, yes, how many bad plays they made, but fielding is a lot more complex than, than just errors. And now having these numbers like depth and everything can help a better, you know, uh, show us actual defensive uh, values here. But uh, LJ, the one thing that I find interesting, so you look at these uh, depth stats, Bobby Dalbeck plays at 130 feet back and the closest in the league is at 111. So he's 20 feet back from where like the closest guy plays. Like that seems like a lot for an infield position. Um, I'm trying to get the exact look at where he is. Yeah, um, it appears to me that it's been very situational for him. Again, I, I can personally think of one time I've seen Bobby Dahl back at third base. And it was two nights ago for like an inning. Oh, so, yeah. It's only 11 plate appearances here. Okay, yeah. Yeah, 11 plate appearances. And you look at where he is angle-wise, he is at a negative 25-degree angle. That's almost where the shortstop plays. So that that tells me that when he's been at third base, the vast majority of it must have been shifts. Yeah. Now, here's an interesting thing I, I hadn't thought about until yesterday, and I'm kind of on the fence logic-wise. If you're in a shift and you're the weak side of the one guy on the weak side of the shift, yeah, you're playing bet you're playing deep, right? To cover the most ground, or are you most likely going to play shallower because if you're going to get anything to that side, it's probably going to be weak contact. Yeah, I think that you want to play shallow. Um, it makes sense. I, I've seen both. I should start with. You know, I, I would say that it depends on the hitter. Because if you have a guy like a Freddie Freeman who 100% gets the shift on him, right? Like, he's a pull hitter, gets the shift on him. He's gonna but he hits the ball, ball hard run. pretty consistently. You know, like, he's a yeah, guy who – he's a line drive hitter. So – I think for him, you might want to play back a little. It's all yeah. dependent on situation, the count, how many outs there is. I mean, what people don't talk about a lot is that – The bunt? Not only the bunt, but when there's a, a runner on base, how, like, you ha- – the fielders have very weird angles to try to turn, turn double plays now because of the shift. Like, you get some weird-looking yeah. double plays where the guys – are coming at awkward angles and it's causing more errors believe it or not because these guys aren't used to running to the base at that certain angle i mean well brandon that's why you saw so few in the early years the very primitive stages of the shift in the major leagues that's why you saw so few of them with runners on base mm. is because you don't want to screw that up you also don't want to let a dinky uh a dinky contact ball run through the infield and be a first to third or a first to home. Like that logic, I, I, I'm always hesitant. If I'm playing um, OTP, I almost never am managing. I almost never use a shift when there's a runner on just because of those risks. But you're right. Now that we're getting farther into the development of the shift, you're starting to see it implemented more often. And this is a, this is certainly a byproduct of it, but yeah, I mean, Line drive hitters are certainly a threat when it comes to who is uh, it, where you stand. However, the other big thing is if I'm seeing the shift, 
Why wouldn't I bunt? If I'm seeing the shift and Bobby Delbeck's playing at 130 feet out, why would I not try to drop a bunt? Doesn't even have to be my best. Actually, it's preferable if it's not my best bunt. If I can get it halfway up the third baseline. You just got to get it past the pitcher. That's it. It's just not even. I mean, yeah, as long as you can get it, even if you're just, as long as it goes straight up the line, too, you can get it about even with the pitcher and still be fine in many situations. Like, if you play too far back to avoid to avoid a weird hit trying to run through the outsides, outsides of your ear zone, you're going to be so susceptible to the bunt base hit. Yeah, I, I don't know because we see some of these shifts now where there, there's like actually no one between second and third base. There has to be some reason why they why the guys don't do it. Like, I mean, like if me and you were smart enough to think of that, like obviously a base baseball managers are smart enough to, you know, think think about something like that. But there must well, I mean, be some reason. Is like, whether it's just that, like the guys just cannot bunt, like they're just not confident in their bunting ability, or whether there's some analytics that say like you would rather not uh, give away in that bat on a bunt like that. Uh, but yeah. is it really giving away in that bat? Is yeah, no, any- I, I don't know. Cause I've, cause I've seen guys bunt for a, a, for extra bases, like doing that. You just like a little poke bunt down the left field line. Robinson Cano did it against the Red Sox one time where he just kind of stuck his bat out and got a double because they were shifting him so far. Absolutely. Brandon, I think we're about ready for leaderboards here. Um, yeah. yeah, no. Um, again, just to reiterate, if you want to win free stuff, get on our Twitter. There will be a post every day. It'll have a baseball savant page up. It'll have a question of who this player is. Today's was Kevin Biggio. We're going to make it a lot of different things and have a lot of fun with it in the coming weeks. All right, let's get onto the leaderboards and then we'll get out of here. For war for hitters, Mike Trout in first at 2.5, Byron Buxton in second at 2.4, Ronald Acuna at 2.1. War for pitchers, Jacob deGrom takes the lead back over at 2.3, Garrett Cole at 2.2, Corbin Burns at 1.8. War for relievers, Matt Barnes in first at 1.1, Chapman at 1.0. Three-way tie for third between James Karinchak, Josh Hader, Mark Melanson, all at 0.8. Home runs, Ronald Acuna, J.D. Martinez, Shohei Otani, all still tied with 10. LJ, this one I just saw on the app. I just had to throw it in. Uh, Mike Trout leads everyone in average on-base percentage, slugging, and OPS. Mike Trout, in other words, Mike Trout is very good at baseball. OPS plus a weighted runs created plus, which is like a more complicated OPS plus. Uh, yeah, he leads in everything. Not a surprise. No. Uh, strikeout percentage, Eugenio Suarez at 36.2%. However, he doesn't lead the league in strikeouts. Uh, Joey Gallo does at 53. Walk percentage, Max Muncie, he does lead the league in walks, and he's walking at a 22.5% clip. Uh, very impressive uh, show of patience this year for him. But uh, yeah, LJI, I think that's going to wrap up today's show. Yeah, I think we're all good. 
All right. Well, once again, thank you for listening to the MLB Daily Podcast. Make sure that you give us a good review. Give us a like, whatever uh, you would like to do. Make sure you check out our Twitter at MLB Daily Pod. Uh, check out the Belly Up Sports Twitter at Belly Up Sports and at Belly Up Podcasts. LJ and I both on Twitter. I'm at Brandon underscore Karam. LJ is at LJ underscore BP underscore LaFiora. That's going to do it. Uh, Have a great Monday, everyone. Nice start to a work week, school week. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.